Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So your mouth is not really the issue. Your heart, your inner, your inner person is the issue. What you think about is going to come out your mouth. And so in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul speaks about that. He addresses that in Philippians 4, and he says, verse 8, this is, this is just great. This is a key verse in the Bible. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything is worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Meditate on the truthful, good, worthy of praise stuff, and guess what's going to come out of your mouth? Think on the the negative stuff, watch soap operas all day long, and uh, that's, that's the kind of stuff that's going to come out of your mouth. Hello, this is Peter Silseth, and I would like to welcome you to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside since 1981. You know, as I was just listening to Pastor Steve, a contrast came to mind. Have you ever thought about what goes into fertilizer or compost? Well, it's all stuff that you'd never dream of eating. Yet we feed it to plants, and they produce delicious vegetables. But as we just heard, and as you probably already know, that principle has no application at all to our hearts and minds. The computer term, garbage in, garbage out, comes much closer to describing us. If you feed a computer bad data or a faulty program, you will get bad results. We need good data. We have to be selective in what we read, watch, and hear. Just as importantly, we need good programming. What is our motive? Good programming might equate to loving motives. In our last verse-by-verse, Pastor Steve began a three-part message from Titus chapter 2 about the godly characteristics of older women. As we begin the class today, Pastor Steve will be speaking from 2 Timothy chapters 2 and 5, but keep your finger there in Titus because we'll be going back there in just a little while. Now, here is Pastor Steve. Now, what sort of good works is Paul referring to? Well, he doesn't specify here specifically what kind of good works he's referring to. However, in verse uh, 15, he does mention the end of verse 15, he speaks about if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. So you are to model good works that demonstrate love for others, faith in God, anything that would be of a nature to bring glory to God. However, we are given insight as to good works because in chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, as he's talking about the widows in the church, and I mentioned before there were certain widows who were to be put on a list to receive financial support. They had nobody else to support them. The church took on their support, but they were also to serve the church. It was like they were on staff. And I don't know exactly how this, this worked, but they weren't just given money. They were women who were uh, 
uh, specific servants of the church, and I think this goes beyond being a deaconess. These were women who were considered staff, and uh, they had to uh, dem- have demonstrated a life of good works in order to be put on this list. They didn't just take anybody. They had to prove that they were really women of God. And so we're given in First Timothy chapter 5 some of the works that they did. And so this would give us insight as to what kind of works Paul was talking about as far as godly good works. Notice verse 3 in First Timothy 5. He says, honor widows who are widows indeed. So he's speaking about widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to practice piety in regards to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in the sight of God. What he means is the church isn't going to take on your support if you've got children or grandchildren who can do this. Now, he, uh, she who is a widow indeed, verse 5, who has been left alone, has fixed her hope on God and continues in entreaties and prayers night and day. What good works does she have? Number one, she fixes her hope on God. She trusts in God. She uh, she has been a woman all through these years, and especially as a widow, that she is looking to God to meet her needs. She is a trustful individual. But secondly, he says, she continues in prayers night and day. She's a prayer warrior. She's one who has a consistent quiet time. She is a prayer warrior. Then notice verses 9 and 10. Let a widow be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old. There's where we get that that age bracket. Having been the wife of one man. What does that mean? It means that, that as you look at her life, she's been devoted to her husband. I don't think it has anything to do with has she been married before I think or, or married a few times. I think the issue is that you look at her wife... Has, look at her life. Has she been one who has proven to be faithful to her husband? Has she been that kind of woman who has been a good wife? Has she loved her husband? Has she treated him with respect? Did she speak kindly of him? That type of thing. Then he says, verse 10, having put, having a reputation for good works. What kind of good works? And if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. Paul mentions a few good works. Hospitality. Hospitality, ladies, is a good work. Do you open your home to those who are strangers? Do you open your homes to others? Sometimes there might be a tendency for widows to think, you know, I'm in, I'm in need, you open your home to me. Paul is saying, look, have, have they proven over the years that they have opened their homes to others? How about ministering to saints in distress? Are you alert to the needs of others? Do you bring meals over? Do you call them on the phone? Do you, do you show some consideration to those who are hurting? Washing the saints' feet, that just means doing any kind of humble service. I mean, we don't do that today. I wish we did, but we don't do that today. I wish we did because I love having my feet massaged. That's why I threw that in. Those of you who know me on that. But that's neither here nor there. I just need to clarify that because as soon as I said, I wish we did today, you're going to think I'm going off on something theologically. No, I just like that. But uh, the point is, is there humble service? Is there humble service that this woman has done? Has she ministered in, in a way that would meet a need? That's, that's just what Paul is saying about good work. So ladies, you need to model that. Models in appearance, models in good works. And number three, he says in, as we go back to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, and this is very important. Let a woman quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Now, most of the time we study this, we, we tend to camp on the negative. 
And the negative is a woman is not to teach uh, men in the church. And uh, that ha- that is absolutely uh, truth. That is right. There should not be uh, women teaching men. But sometimes we forget that there's another part to this. Sometimes we just concentrate on the negative of it. What's the positive? The positive is that he says in verse uh, uh, 11, let a woman quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. That's what she's supposed to be doing. And the thing I want you to see is not so much that a woman shouldn't teach men, but that she does receive, should receive instruction with submissiveness. Submissiveness. Ladies, you are to model reverent behavior by a teachable spirit. That you have an attitude that is an example to others that you want to study the Bible. You're interested in Bible study. You take God's word seriously. You apply the word to your life. That's, that's what Paul is talking about. You are to model that to our younger women who maybe don't have the same interest in Bible study. Where are they going to get that from? Well, God works in their hearts, but you're to be an example to them of that. Are you in a quiet time? Are you regularly meeting with the Lord? Do you apply the word to your life? Do you take notes in church and go home and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put this into effect. That's what Paul is dealing with. So those of you who are mature women, you need, you need to, to do something about this. You need to take this responsibility of being a role model very seriously. Women often wonder, what is my ministry in the church? Ladies, this is your ministry and, and more that we'll see. The younger women are looking up to you. They maybe don't uh, say that verbally, but they are. They watch you and what you do and uh, how you dress and what you say and how you treat your husband or how you treat others. Uh, They're watching you. And it has a major impact on them because they will become, in many ways, what you are. That's a serious ministry. And so I exhort you to be reverent in your behavior and conduct yourself as God's special priestess in his house. So if older women are to be role models, they, number one, need to be reverent in behavior. Number two, they need to be sure that they are not malicious gossips. Notice what Paul goes on to say in verse 2. He says, older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips. Now, the term malicious gossip is the Greek word diabolos. And the reason I say that is because it's very similar to our word diabolical. I'm certain that we got our word diabolical from that Greek word diabolos, which means diabolical means devilish, it means fiendish, it means wicked. In fact, this word really should be translated as slanderer, a false accuser. And it is used in the Bible often to refer to the devil, to refer to Satan, because he is a liar and he is a false accuser. Even when he does say truth, it is mixed in with error so that it's very deceitful. It's not the whole truth. Older women are not to have loose tongues. That's the point. They are not to listen to or pass on slanderous words about others. In other words, godly women guard their tongues. They guard their tongues, their speech. Now, why is this so critical? It's critical for all of us, but why for older women? And I think the point is this, because with her children raised generally, uh, not always the case. She now has time on her hands, and if she's not careful with her time, she could easily find herself uh, talking to others, talking maybe too much, listening too much to others, being a busybody, spreading negative things about others. You know, it's really fun to do that. It appeals to the flesh. And she has all this time on her hands, and she can become a busybody and a gossip. And Paul is saying, don't. Don't do that kind of stuff. That That can lead. Too much talking, the Bible says in Proverbs, will lead to bad things. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh, but gossip is fun. 
Doesn't it feel good to be sharing secret information? You feel like you're really close to the person you're gossiping with. You feel like part of the inner circle. But do you ever wonder what they say about you to others? So logically and scripturally, it's better to break the gossip chain. When someone says, can you keep a secret, just tell them, yes, can you? Maybe we don't need to be quite that blunt, (laughs) but when we're tempted to gossip, we need to change the course of the conversation. But how do we do that? Pastor Steve will answer that right after we pause to greet those of you who just tuned in. Welcome. You are listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today's class is the middle part of a three-part message from Chapter 2 of the Book of Titus. At the end of the broadcast, I will let you know how you can hear the first part if you missed that, or how you can order a CD or a cassette of the entire message. Most of us were told by our parents that if we couldn't say anything nice, we shouldn't say anything at all. If we did that, the world would be a much quieter place. But it's not necessary to remain silent. God has an alternative use for our tongues. Here is Pastor Steve to tell us about it. Now, what's the cure to a loose tongue? We all struggle at times with this. What's the cure to it? When you look in Ephesians chapter 4, the cure to a loose tongue, it is not, it is not proper to just say, well, don't be a malicious gossip. You're going to have to put something in its place. You can't just say, don't do something and it just stops. Uh, you have to replace a, an ungodly habit with a godly habit. That's, that's, uh, uh, sanctification. That's Ephesians 4. And Paul tells us what, what our speech should be. So ladies, this is for everybody, but especially we're applying it to you. Verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Uh, when you speak, make sure that it's in love. Make sure of your motivation is not to spread evil things about others, even if there's some truth to that. You want to speak the whole truth and you want to speak the truth because it's loving to do that. But also we're given more. Verse 25, therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. So we've established the fact that we're to speak truth. Don't be saying evil things about others, even if that, if that stuff is true. You don't spread that kind of stuff. But notice verse 29, which I think is one of the greatest statements in all the word of God on what our speech should be like, because too often we hear just negatives. What should it be positively? Verse 29, let no unwholesome uh, word proceed from your mouth. Unwholesome words are not just uh, vile cursing, although I'm sure that would come under that category. Unwholesome word just means rotten, just means rotten. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. So what should I do, Paul? Okay, I'm not going to be a malicious gossip, but what should I do? But only such a word as is good for edification. When you speak, ladies... You ought to be saying, does this build up somebody? What I'm about to say, will this, that's what edify means. Will this build them up spiritually? Will this help them? Will this encourage them? Notice he says, only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment. Be alert to the needs of people. Speak words that encourage them, that build them up. That, he says, it may give grace to those who hear. So when you speak, it ought to be, the end result ought to be to encourage and strengthen people, not harm them, and that's what a malicious gossip slanderer does. Also, um, another thing that helps in this is Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? So 
your mouth is not really the issue. Your heart, your inner, your inner person is the issue. What you think about is going to come out your mouth. And so in Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul speaks about that. He addresses that in Philippians 4, and he says, verse 8, this is, this is just great. This is a key verse in the Bible. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything is worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Meditate on the truthful, good Worthy of praise stuff, and guess what's going to come out of your mouth? Think on the the negative stuff. Watch soap operas all day long, and uh, that's that's the kind of stuff that's going to come out of your mouth. So when you speak, have love as your motive, truth as your substance, and edification as your goal. Ladies, the younger women of this fellowship are looking to you to show them how mature women speak. What comes out of your mouth? And if you have a problem in this area, then I would suggest that you ask a friend to honestly, no holes barred now, honestly evaluate you and hold you accountable. If you've got a problem in this area, go to a friend and ask them to hold you accountable. When I'm saying things, I'm too loose in my tongue. When I say things too sharply, when I say things that uh, would be gossip, Would you tell me, I ask you to hold me accountable and ask me how I'm doing on a regular basis. So if older women are to be role models, they must be, number one, reverence in behavior. Secondly, not malicious gossips. Number three, Paul writes in in verse three, not enslaved to much wine. In other words, older women, he says, are, are not to get drunk. That's the thought here, not to get drunk. Now, Paul is not referring to occasionally uh, where a woman might get drunk at a party. If she's at a party and they're drinking and she gets drunk occasionally, it's not what he's talking about because he speaks about being enslaved to much wine. Notice verse 3 says, uh, after not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine. He's talking about a bondage issue here, an addiction. That's what he's talking about. She's not to be in bondage to it. She's not to be a slave to alcohol. As one Bible teacher put it, and I thought this was insightful, as many of them have done throughout history, older people on Crete, remember he's writing to Titus on the island of Crete, sometimes turn to drink as a stimulant and as a means of coping with the pains, frustrations, and loneliness of old age. But instead, what happens is alcohol doesn't become a means of escape. It becomes a means by which you are in bondage to it. I mean, that's the paradox of it. You don't escape anything. You're now enslaved. You're not free from your problems. You now are enslaved to alcohol. You're a prisoner. Not only does that set a horrible example for young women, but it's obviously condemned and dishonoring to Christ. Now, if you do have a drinking problem, then you can be free, and you need to know that. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that, that there is no temptation that, that you experience that you can't have victory over. There's nothing. God gives you the grace, and uh, most people who have a drinking problem, uh, it's because their thinking is off, and they, and they are not thinking biblically. They are not thinking biblically because they're trying to solve problems or escaping problems without facing them in a biblical manner. And so it's their thought life that's the issue. 
their thought life. It's not just a physical thing. It's a mental thing. It's really a spiritual matter. So godly women are to be reverent, not slanderers, not addicted to alcohol. But now we want to camp for a few minutes on the, on the fourth characteristic of godly older women, and that is she's to be a teacher. She is to teach what is good. Notice the end of verse 3 says, teaching, just what I said, teaching what is good. This is actually one word in the Greek language. And it, in, in fact, this is the only time, not only in the Bible, but in all of Greek literature that we have on record, ancient Greek literature, that this word is used. We know of no other, no other place where it's used. It may have been used in other places, but we don't have them. But in, in all of Greek literature, it is used only here. And it means, just as it says, it means that, that uh, older women have a responsibility to teach what is good, what is noble, what is excellent. It's just, just that what the word means. Now, the New Testament is very clear. We just looked at that passage of Scripture, 1 Timothy 2. We didn't explain it. We do have tapes on that, so you can go back. But it is, the Bible is clear that women are not to teach men in the church. The Bible is clear. It's not what they've been called to do. They've been called to do a lot of things, but not that. So the question is, what are they to teach? What are they to teach, and who are they to teach? Well, let's look at verse 4. Teaching what is good, and here's the clarification, that they may encourage the young women. Let's stop there. That they may encourage the young women to do what? Well, let's press on a little bit. Encourage them, train them, he means, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be dishonored. In other words, Paul is teaching that older women are to teach and encourage younger women in the church how to be godly mothers and godly wives. Ladies, that's that's your ministry. Now, how do you do this? How do you do this? Let me give you some suggestions. Number one, by being a good example to them of a wife and mother, by being a good example. Uh, we don't just teach by verbalizing things. We do teach by how we live. That's That's one aspect of it. So you need to be a good model of that. Uh, how you, how you uh, treat your husband, how you treat your children, how you speak to them, um, your kindness, all of that. Be a good example. Who can better teach young women how to be godly wives and mothers? The pastor or another woman who has a legitimate diploma from the School of Hard Knocks? Your pastor might be a fine father and husband, but all he knows about motherhood and being a wife is what he has heard and read. He doesn't know what it feels like, for one thing. If you've been through it, there's no one more qualified to teach the next generation. You can teach from your successes or from your mistakes. In fact, you can probably teach from both kinds of experiences. I hope you can join us for the next Verse by Verse for the conclusion of this study of the godly characteristics of older women. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981. Verse by Verse Ministries is pleased to make his expository or verse by verse messages available to you through this great radio station. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners who are first faithful to their own churches. Lakeside Community Chapel emphasizes sound Bible teaching, missions, and evangelism. Pastor Steve's goal is to make his messages clear and true to God's Word and at the same time applicable to modern listeners. 
If you're ever in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, Pastor Steve would love to meet you. Lakeside is at 1893 Sunset Point Road, midway between U.S. 19 and the beaches. As I mentioned earlier, today's class is part of a longer message. If you would like to hear the entire message at once, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours so that you can order a CD or a cassette. That number again, 727-441-1714. If you would like to listen again to today's class or hear previous classes, you can visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You will find the previous classes on the archives page. As you look around, you will also find links for our complimentary newsletter and our free podcasting service. Please feel free to sign up for either or both. That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. You know there are lots of ways to teach, and not all teaching takes place in a classroom. In fact, most teaching takes place outside the classroom. In our next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will tell us about several possible ways that the older ladies of the church can teach the younger ones. Perhaps we men will get some good tips too. I hope you can be there. Turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525.